I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news... Leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's peanut butter cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Chess Smith, welcome back to The Great. It is October 26th, 2023. What a day. Almost to Halloween, David Lee Scales. Pretty exciting. Pretty, uh, the sun is amped on Halloween. I mean, it is the best holiday we talked about at last show for the children, which, was it always for you? Do you recall? Mm-mm. I did not care about it up until maybe the day of or the day before. Certainly didn't care I, d- I can't remember ever having an opinion about an outfit, like a costume to dress up as. I only cared about getting candy. Whichever of the brand managers were in charge of Halloween over the past decade plus, those guys sh- deserve promotions because Halloween's come up has been swift and like furious. So it's in concert with grown adults who have a fascination with true crime and everything morbid like i feel like there's more witchy adults than there ever was before it's so true it is so true but so maybe it was a confluence is it a congruence of events or a confluence 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 of events just halloween was primed for the yeah the fast rise to be the second favorite holiday in the united states you mentioned um the nightmare before christmas last week and i did not run with it but Austin loves that movie. Of course. <clears throat> like it's... every, yeah, my daughter loved it. My nephew loves it. I feel like when I first saw Night Before Christmas, when it came out back in the day, I thought eh, this is all right. You know, stop action and it's cute enough. This merging of Christmas and Halloween, nice storyline. Who knew the legs that thing would have? 
Yeah, I didn't see it either. Well, when I was a kid, I actually didn't like it because it was a musical. And I yeah. just, musicals felt so fanciful to me, like in not real life, you know? I just, I, I'm not into people singing the storyline. Yes. Um, but now that Austin's into it, I'm watching it and it is incredibly innovative and inventive. Like the stop motion thing is unbelievable. And the set design, the characters, like, are they made out of clay, clay. and putty? Yeah. In crazy. Have you seen or showed Austin yet? I think it's called Kubo and the Seven Strings. That's a banger. I think it's another stop. Yeah, it's another stop action that's like absolutely incredible. Yeah. Well, we'll get onto that then maybe after the holidays. Yep. Good. This thing has run its course. Uh, Nightmare Before Christmas has played 100 times in the last two weeks. And so I think uh, we'll be ready to move on to Kubo. Great. Um, well, hey, follow up conversation from previous shows. You are in major, major trouble. Uh-oh. Would you like to hear the listener who has a bone to pick? Yes, please. Okay. This is a call for the grit responding about Chaz talking about where to hide your keys. Well, this morning, my wetsuit key pocket was broken on my wetsuit, so followed his advice, wrapped my key up in a towel, walked to the beach, hit it on a lifeguard tower, and when I got out, a tweaker had stolen my towel to lay on it, and he lost or stole my car key, so tried to argue with this belligerent homeless guy for a little bit didn't have any luck and then had to go stand outside my car in my wetsuit for two hours waiting for AAA to come so I could break into my car to get my phone and change of clothes so question if your wetsuit key pocket is broken where is the best place to hide your key when you have tweakers scouring the beach Stealing your car keys. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Love the show. Is that after a couple bong rips? Yeah, I love that call. I mean, I'm sorry. I can picture, for one, the absolute torture of that kind of small torture. Like the other day, for example, I was sitting in a parking lot uh, outside a convenience store and saw a car getting towed. And I was like, oh, the car must have broke down or something. A couple minutes later, some guy came running out. Car is long gone now. Guy came running out. Oh, oh, manager of the store, explain, you know, you're in this 10 minute whatever for too long, blah, blah, blah. I'm thinking about the hassle now for that guy's life. This guy, it's, it's going to be minimum 300 bucks and six hours to work this out. He's got to get a ride to the tow yard. He's got to sign the paperwork. He's got to da, 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 da. Same with our poor caller here. The hassle of that, right, of losing a key. So let's assume he has another one at home. He's got to get home, et cetera, et cetera. But if you don't have another one at home, you're stuck. Now you're stuck getting your car towed to a shop in order to get the ignition replaced and blah, 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 right? Yeah. A real bummer. But here's the thing with advice. Unfortunately, I hate to just pile on here, but when we give advice, I think it's most prudent and best. This advice is well thought out. It is exact. I never said, put your towel on a lifeguard stand. Did you say that, David Lee Scales? Definitely would not have advised that. That was a riff on sound advice that led to a disaster. 
So yeah. when you follow the advice here, it is important to follow it to the word. Don't like freeform off it. This isn't like general suggestions. These are very specific instructions. And I, I think I specifically remember telling a story of being in France and when I and being in that scenario where the key fob couldn't get wet and I had no, I put it in a towel and then I said, stash the towel on the beach, like try to hide it somewhere. I'm not burying it in sand, but I am definitely hiding it so that it's out of, out of sight. And if there's tweakers present, like you always have to be aware of tweakers, right? Like we all know their tweakers are weird and they're observant and they're looking at stuff too. So in this scenario, since he did ask for specific advice now, you take your key down, you can take your towel down too, but take your key by itself and stash your key somewhere. You like, don't lose it, God yeah. forbid, but stash it. You know, there's always a rock or somewhere you can put your key by itself. So listener chimed in after that episode and said, uh, he, and I don't think he was joking. He said a uh, baby's diaper. Oh, keep, great. Keep call. a baby's diaper handy. If you have a pickup truck, throw the key in the back, wrap up the diaper so it looks like there's like it's loaded. <laughs> yep. Yeah. And put it in the back of your truck. Or if you don't have a truck, just slide it under your car. And great. somebody will just think that somebody left a dirty diaper on the beach and you parked over it. Nobody's ever going to investigate that. Except what if though, the these last few days, I've seen real industrious uh, I guess citizens down doing yeah. beach cleanups by themselves. Like catching the person who's going who sees that diaper down there and says i'm going to take one for the team and clean this diaper up so it needs to be in your car then it I needs to be when, in in the back of the truck yeah because they like, won't touch that and the real truth is like i would like to hear from our caller what percentage do you think our listeners have trucks 82 yeah i would say so i would say any advice we and general advice we give for truck owners it applies broadly to our listener Hmm. Um, the other thing I liked about that story is that he confronted the tweaker. Yeah. You know, like he, his towel was missing. He saw a homeless person who sleeping he on his towel. Was a tweaker sleeping on his exact towel and walked up and is like, what the hell, dude? Probably you can have the towel at this point. It is now soiled, but sure. where are my where's key? my key? Yeah. The, um, this had, this had to have been lower trestles. No, no, it could be any beach in Southern California. I mean, that's it could be Huntington trip. for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Um, it's more likely Huntington, in fact, because more tweakers in Huntington than San Clemente. But That's I also true. love the economics. I never thought about it before. The economics of a tweaker, because it costs money to buy drugs. Yeah. But he also said this person is homeless. So how much is the drug habit? You know, is it five bucks a day in which you could panhandle for? Or is it a hundred dollars a day, which maybe you need to work for and you maintain a job and then go use all of your income to just buy drugs. I'm kind of fascinated by that. You know, if you're, if you're addicted to cocaine, you have to work on wall street in order to afford maintain, the habit. Yeah. Afford the habit. And you could still probably be homeless and maybe living out of a 24 hour fitness using their shower and then sleeping in your car or something like that. But what are the economics of a tweaker? I want to know. Well, the, the question that I would have too is back in our day, I think a tweaker was defined more or less as somebody who was using either speed, I think mostly speed, right? Speed or meth was a tweaker. Because uh, tweak implies like a certain kind of yeah. uh, frenetic energy. Yeah. So, and let's say mostly meth, right? But I don't hear much about meth anymore. Is meth still, or are they all on like weird off-brand pharmaceutical stuff, like off-brand pharmaceutical speed that they're getting? 
Like, I don't even know. I don't know either. I don't know what's in vogue at the moment. I think all of them exist out in the wild, but I don't know what is in vogue. What's popular. Yeah. yeah. Or, or what this particular caller experienced. What was that person on? Well, come back. I mean, he should find that tweaker again and continue the conversation. Now that the key problem is sorted, you know, one way or another, go back, find the guy. Uh, inquiring mind wants to know, dear listener. Um, I do have solid advice, by the way, that I did not deploy on the last time this came up and i'm guilty now i feel yeah, bad now, 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 that we have a victim. Of, now that we have a victim i was holding this advice for myself it was hostage because i personally don't want to be identified at the beach so if i tell you my advice and you see this implement you'll go oh that's obviously david's car and i'd rather just live in obscurity right but here's my advice i now feel obligated to give I was saying that if the key fob, the key fob problem is that number one, you can't get it wet. Number two is if you use the lockbox on the handle of the car, it's too close to the car and it opens the car door still, right? Yep. I use the lockbox, attach it to the front grill of my car. Oh, nice. And that that six feet from the handle is just enough distance. And I tried to, you know, your car has like hooks on the bottom sometimes for whatever, if it's being shipped across an ocean or whatever, it hooks onto those. I tried hooking it onto that on the back of the car, but that was too, it was too close. Yeah. Oh, so it's still open. It, it did. And so I worked my way around the vehicle and tried it on the front grill of the car. And that is a safe distance. Doors don't unlock. It's not attached to a fence. Like I did smoke screen recommend on our last time. Because a fence could, you know, the city could come through and cut that off the fence and dispatch a bit on the front of your car. Boom. It's very safe. smart. Very smart. But also, David Lee Scales, now that we're talking about this again, uh, do you ever use the, what's it called? The little key inside your key fob thing that pops out, the little emergency one? Because you can do that too. No, mine doesn't have that. Are you sure? I'm sure. Well, and there's no keyhole in the door anywhere. Oh, man, we live in the future. The future, yeah. the future presents real problems for us. Future's whack, man. I'll tell you, I want to go back. Yep. Okay, well, uh, now that we solved that, I feel confident that we can solve another uh, quandary from a listener. Great. Hey, David, Chaz. This is uh, Devin calling from the uh, Pacific Northwest. Uh, I'm in the process of trying to plan out a trip out to the Azor Islands and uh, Portugal. Um, this is not a strictly surf trip per se, and I'm going with my wife, a bunch of other friends, um, and I'm kind of running into some opposition for certain suggestions of where to go or where we should be. And although we're not going to be surfing the whole time, I'm definitely trying to maximize how much time I can uh, spend closer to the beach. So forcing or inconveniencing everybody else on a trip just so you can surf. Uh, sometimes feels kind of selfish. Sometimes it feels like maybe I just should have planned a surf trip on my own. But that's how things work out sometimes. So, yep, thanks. Uh, keep up. The work. I think we've all been in this scenario before. It's a and it really is a tough one, David Lee Scales. Let's not sugarcoat this. This is a tough one. Uh, we've talked about this. If you 
let your surf trip be your surf trip and your family trip be your family trip. But oftentimes there is no control, right? Oftentimes the family trip is going somewhere where there is surf and you as a surfer, it's not that you're not going to surf. Of course you're going to surf, right? Uh, I think as far as the Azores go, I mean, you always just got to be, I think, uh, it's a tough gig, but like presenting better options that have surf than anybody else is presenting. Whatever resort they want to stay, wherever they want to go, right? There's got to be an equal one that you could say, okay, that's, oh, I like that. But what about this one, right? Look, I think this all comes down to something that we all have learned in our surf experience at some point, and it's all about expectation. So if you're going into this trip with the expectation to surf, you will inevitably dis be disappointed because that's nobody else's priority. And so even if you do get to surf and even if you do get to surf good waves, it'll be a letdown compared to your quote surf trip that you had in your mind. So you're not going to enjoy the surfing. You're also going to ruin everybody else's experience because your expectations aren't being met. So you're going to be moping and dragging your heels through a beautiful vacation otherwise. So I think the only way to play this is go with no expectation to surf. Now, that being said, if you rock up to the beach and it's pumping and you have an hour, let's even better, you have an hour or two to burn. Everybody else is taking a siesta and the waves happen to be going off and you're staying at a hotel that's on a beach with surf. You are going to feel like an idiot if you are not prepared for that situation. So go with no expectation, but pack a wetsuit. Also, scope out in advance where you can maybe borrow or rent surfboards so that you know that you have access if you need if you need it. I'm going to say, I'm going to go one up on you though and say, bring one board. Because if you bring one board, like in a kind, bring a board that, you know, maybe you'll leave, maybe you won't. One of those kinds of boards. Because then you have everything you need, but you're not precious about any of it. You didn't like gear all up for your big surf trip that likely won't materialize. Traveling with a board though, especially with people is is kind of rough. <clears throat> it totally is. Like it, it changes the entire dynamic of everything. Now you have to get a bigger car mm -hmm. or bring your soft racks at least, or all of these kinds of annoyances. But if you have a board that you don't really care about, when if things go sideways, you can jettison that board, then like I always, you know, everybody's got that board, right? You have that board, yeah. don't you? Yeah, of course. The but... board that you love-ish, but if you had to leave it behind, it wouldn't break your heart and or you wouldn't care. Look, if you're in Azores or Aracer, Portugal, Aracero, uh, Cascais or wherever you would be expecting to surf, I think that surfboards are available. Sure. Except, man, I've fallen so far off the rental board, the borrow board thing. Have you? What do you mean I, fall off? Like got screwed? I used, to, I used to feel like a board's a board. I mean, not really a board's a board, but like whatever. You know, I can surf the board that I pick up in location X. Now I'm just so conditioned to the boards that I have. I think I get on a new one and I'm like, oh, this is weird. Like I, I need a, a testing session. It totally sucks. It's never as good. But the question is, is it less of a hassle than bringing a board? It, and bringing a board is a hassle, except if you bring that one board in that one sleeve, right? Like one of those, whatever. Day bags. Uh, yeah. One of those ones, not like your big coffin. Yeah. But just something you can like easily sling and something that you don't, you're not worried about. Well, 
the thing that applies to what I'm saying with not packing a board is what I originally said, which is expectations. So if you just pack a wetsuit, you don't pack a board. Now your expectations are super low because the effort put in was super low. Once you're packing a board, you have a certain, like now I got to kind of use this thing. I paid the 150 bucks per flight or whatever. You did. Yeah. So, but I think, I, but I think you do need to put a little bit of pressure on the ones you're with. If I got a board here, you know, like I got to get a surf in. Like at least you're guaranteeing yourself at that point a surf. It may be a singular surf. It may be a lousy surf, but you're going to have a surf. Well, that's where we're divided, and the listener can decide which side they kind of sway towards. But I will say, the Azores and Portugal are an amazing trip with even without surfing. And those are incredible surf locations. And so amazing if you get to surf, but if you don't, and you just get to spend time with your loved ones, eat well, drink well, and absorb the architecture and the people and all of that, you're still way, way, way ahead of the game. So I'm jealous. Until you come home and your bros say, where'd you, you went to the Azores? Where'd you surf? And you said, oh, yeah, it wasn't really the vibe of the trip. Then you feel bad. Bring your board. Guarantee yourself a surf. I um, had to be in San Diego last week or the week before. And I left the house, had to go pick up a sandwich, go to the bank, and then was driving past the house again. And I had two or three appointments in San Diego. And I thought to myself, as I was driving past the house, I go, you know, these appointments, I may get a little window in between them. Should I swing back into the house and grab a surfboard? I'm like, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and do that. So I swing and I grab the board. Sure enough, I had an hour window in between appointments. Drive down to the beach. It was freaking all time, dude. It was like A-frame peak, shoulder high, no no uh, wind or anything like that. And I just thought to myself, Jeez. if I had not bought the board or brought the board, there's a chance I might go to a local retail shop and pay full pop for a surfboard just to get this one hour session in because there's no way I could not go out. I mean, the other scenario would be I'd be body surfing a a frame four footers, you know, I mean, that's the beauty. And back to my point, like it's a beauty of always having a board around. It doesn't have to be the board, right? It doesn't have to be your favorite thing, but just having a board, having access to a board, I think is it's a, yeah, it like opens up so much more than not. Totally. Yeah. Well, enjoy the trip. Uh, we got a follow-up from last week's pros in the wild about Joey Cabell from the exact same, uh, writer. In fact, he said, Hey, short follow-up. Um, I was tiling pools at that time on Oahu and, uh, I know exactly where I was when I heard the news that Magic Johnson had told the world that he has AIDS. Seems like a weird way to start this email and has a follow-up to last week's, except for the fact that Joey Cabell's wife, Mavis, had been previously married to Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. In fact, Kareem happened to be visiting her that very week that Magic announced uh, the Magic announcement had been made. Very strange. Anyway, through that group of friends and pre presumably from Kareem himself, Magic Johnson and Isaiah Thomas were in fact lovers. Not that there's anything wrong with that. Whoa, is that true? Okay, I'm going to go on because there is more to this yeah. wild tale, but I just want to address it. I cannot imagine that they were 
boyfriends, let's say. Yeah. But I could imagine a scenario where it's a hotel room, group sex thing, Magic and Kareem. I'm sorry, Not Magic, Magic and Kareem, Magic and Isaiah. Magic and Isaiah were either in that scenario together. I don't know what transpired. This is all speculation. Okay. I think that would be a more logical explanation. Than them being an exclusive couple. Yeah. Okay. But, but the AIDS detail is also relevant here, right? Yeah. But exit. Okay. Keep going. Obviously you can get AIDS a lot of different ways. I'm just, I'm just saying, just saying. Yeah. Now the email gets wild. <laughs> Fast forward 20, 20 something years. And I'm actually friends with a father-in-law of Andrew Bogut. Bogut also played for the Lakers. His father-in-law told me that it was actually an open secret in the NBA that Magic never even had AIDS, but that it was all a stunt to get out of a contract. And then the publicity developed a life of its own and the rest is history. He cites the fact that Magic has remained as big as a house and healthy as a horse throughout all of this. Anyways, that's it. I'll let you get back to your life. See ya. Well, this is the one of the most interesting and provocative surf-adjacent emails or calls we've ever received, I think. Pros in the Filled wild with, still. I mean, pros in the wild for sure. Like, we never specified surf pros in the wild. No. Yeah, these are pros in the wild. Well, thank you so much, dear listener. Like, well, since, since you're running a TMZ-adjacent website, um, I feel like this could take on a life of its own. They could, I mean, this could go from our podcast to Beach Grit, to mainstream media. To the world. To, to outing Magic Johnson, if that's so, where you decide to take it. And Isaiah Thomas. And Isaiah. What did he do to anybody? <laughs> he was part of the bad boy Pistons is what he did. He's an incredible he player. Yeah. Man. Well, I mean, it's just, it's, I just never saw that one coming today. <laughs> did I which by the way I love that these emails come through and we just put like full stock into them you know like week one Always. that comes through we're just like 100% <laughs> this is pure <laughs> or whether that. it's sometimes it's medical advice or Shane Dorian getting stem cells or whatever and we're just like wow this is gospel incredible stuff then the next email comes through and we're like wait a second <laughs> maybe this listener doesn't have everything fully dialed up maybe they only used the first entry on google's first page as their entire <laughs> source of information i am gonna definitely google though the uh isaiah tom isaiah thomas and magic johnson like see what the what the smoke out there is on that one because there's got to be smoke on that if if kareem's talking about it publicly in hawaii there's got to be some smoke out there no he wasn't talking about it publicly he was talking about it to his ex-wife who happen to be friends with this group of people who get together at the cul-de-sac every Friday night and drink, and then the word spread from there. Oh, man. Who knew that Chart House was going to be the... I mean, I guess I knew. I love the Chart House, and it is the gift that keeps on giving. Thanks, Joey Cabell. Well, what we need is Matt Warshaw to update Joey Cabell's Encyclopedia of Surfing with all of this new information. Yeah, it's important, Matt. Please do. Forthwith. Come on. And also, I would like to say you're thinking about this all wrong. You're going to go on Google and look for this information. No. People who are listening are going to go on Google and look for this information. And what you want is for that first entry to pop up on any rumor at all to be beachgrit.com. That is true. This is true. And the fact that this rumor started in Hawaii uh, or has a Hawaii tie makes me feel perfectly surf adjacent to the whole thing. It is like peak surf adjacency. 
I mean, the fact that Joey Cabell's name could get wrapped up in all of this is almost a disservice to his legacy, but it also keeps him in the media cycle, which I think is good. I think so too. (laughs) You're welcome. Remember when we were going to start a PR agency? (laughs) (laughs) Still doing the work here today. Okay. We have a new Crows in the Wild submission coming out of California. I don't want to specify where because it'll give away the punchline. Hey, boys, got a pros in the wild for you. I have a few of these given where I live, but I think that this one is my favorite. I grew up on the wrong side of town, a.k.a. the one without the beach. But every summer, I would spend a few weeks at my grandparents' house on the right side of town, a block away from the sand. My best friend moved away a few years later, but he and his family would actually come back and stay at the beach at the same time that I was there. He would, we would spend time, uh, we would spend the entire time at the beach, digging holes, climbing rocks, learning how to surf. One year he came a week early. By the time I showed up, he, there was this other kid who my friend would not shut up about. He was the new kid in town. He was a year younger. So why did everybody think that he was so cool? I was pissed. My friend even blew me off to go hang out with this other kid. Well, finally I met him and guess what? Guy was pretty cool. I saw him surf and he didn't even surf like a kid, even though, um, hold on. Even though he had only lived there for a short time at the beach, he just seemed to have a natural ability in the water. He wasn't doing anything crazy, but he just always seemed to be in the right place and somehow made our crappy waves look way better than they were. You couldn't help but watch him when he was in, in the water. I wasn't so mad at my friend anymore because he was right. This kid was actually super cool. My friend and I fell out of touch after that. I really didn't think much uh, about it at the time. But many years later, I was watching a surf video of a pro from my hometown. And I had this flashback to the school, uh, to that school year and that summer. I had a vivid memory of walking up to my friend. I have a vivid vivid memory of walking up to my friend, Doug, and asking him about the kid, if he was maybe Doug's cousin. Does anyone know how I might get back in touch with him? Uh, And maybe I could even use this brief past encounter to become friends again. So I asked my friend, Doug Reynolds, again, is this kid Dane your cousin? Anyways, that's my story about how Dane Reynolds at 10 years old stole my best friend. Keep work. (laughs) Great story. This is a good one. This would be, if we were giving wetsuits away, this would be a early favorite. Yeah, for sure. I mean, the idea, I, the mythic status though, of like the kid's 10, you know what I mean? Like he doesn't have, what is it that a kid at 10 has? Cause it's not necessarily talent. As he said in the water, he wasn't doing anything crazy, but he has an aura about him at 10 years old that he enters a new community and everybody gravitates to him. Well, in that point, Dane would have been, I mean, where did Dane grow up again? Was it Bakersfield? I think uh, it was Bakersfield. Yeah. So Dane probably at that would have been fresh to the beach. Like he would have been just learning the learning the craft, which makes yeah. it even more impressive that you have an aura. Exactly. Like he had it before he, he had it in Bakersfield too. Yeah. Like Dane yeah. Reynolds was destined for greatness. Right. Exactly. Yeah. It's yeah. really interesting, right? It's interesting. And it's also makes me think uh, more about like that Ventura, Santa Barbara-ish region that also spawned Tom Curran of there's something weird up in the water up there that makes for like, 
I don't feel that, correct me if I'm wrong here, but which server from Southern California carries like a real gravitas where you just know they're something? Like everyone's cool. Rob Machado's cool. They're all great, right? Nothing against any one of them, but they don't have that like the weight of a Curran or a Reynolds. It's like um, like a Kung Fu master wandering the earth, you know, that whose legend precedes them and then stories just spin about after they leave the town kind of a thing. Is it that is it that Ventura and Ventura environs like the surf is weird there? And so it creates like a kind of weird vagabond, as you stated, a like a mystic who like goes through the mists along that coast and finds their waves. And then like, what is it? Is it just, is there something magnetically in the rocks? Like Jack yeah. Robinson's dad, Trevor told me about Western Australia, that that's what made Jack Robinson surf so good was that the rocks there have crazy magnetic properties. That's what Trevor again, Robinson told again, me. Again, Trevor's like the first email that comes in where you're like, wow, this is gospel. Makes sense. Makes and then you sense. learn more about Trevor and you get to that second and third email and you're like, <laughs> wait a second. How come they all come through at 11 o'clock at night on a Friday? Um, so great question. The, the easy answer is Ventura is working class and it's also the culture is very into like um being very very reserved like you never self-promote it's all black wetsuits and white surfboards let the surfing do the talking Malloy never, style. never bring a filmer never promote yourself you know that sort of thing as opposed to southern california that is much more flashy and has more money involved and all that kind of stuff so it would breed two different types of human beings but that's too easy of an answer because Dane does have those elements to his character as yeah. does, as does Tom, Tom Curran, but they have, but what you're talking about is more spiritual and beyond that. It's, but yeah, like I'm, you'd think if we were going to extrapolate this all the way out that somewhere up in Northern California in places that nobody peeks and looks, there would be all kinds of like mystical guys there, but maybe they're too far. Maybe Ventura is just close enough to have yeah. some pull into the spotlight where if Tom or Dane grew up in Oregon, they would have been like legendary, you know, whatever whispers about them amongst a tiny community. Yeah. I mean, or you don't even have to go that far North. I mean, just going from, um, I mean the central coast all the way through, beyond that or up maybe up until santa cruz where there's then a little bit of a limelight there could be tom curran level surfers who simply never wanted to any limelight and so never went out and competed and became known just are sliding around riding boogie boards stand up with <laughs> socks on their ears <laughs> those are the pros in the wild stories that we want i mean as yeah. well as pros in the wild i mean hardcore local in the wild yeah. is also a great story yeah yeah i mean i feel like local enforcer or the guy at the beach is as pro as anyone i mean in terms of talent they very well could be you know yeah. maybe not earning a living off of the thing but in terms of talent i think those people do exist um another listener feedback from last week about am i a longboarder he chimed in again and he said i think it's nathan was the name yeah, nathan I, r 
Okay. That's right. Good, good memory. I did know his name. I didn't know if I was allowed to say it, but I said it last week. So we're on, uh, thanks for the breakdown. Listening to you guys talk about this made me realize this whole issue is coming directly from my friends. They're the ones who tease me each and every time I ride the log. It's the only reason I even prompted this question in the first place. They still have the mentality of short border versus long border, as opposed to just surfers. And they got it in my head. However, always, I'm always vindicated by my decision when I get 15 waves in a session and they just get three or four, hence their anger. And just as an update, I put it in order for a new Ryan Sakel Ranger, a thruster, not a nose rider. I do have one follow-up question. Is there a line that needs to be drawn as to where I actually take out the log? Even if the waves are perfectly suited, I will never take it out on south side of the Huntington Beach Pier, for example. I just can't do it. That's a step too far. Is this just me being too dramatic with this shortboard versus longboard mentality, or is this something that I should, or is it something that I should actually consider doing? I'd love to hear where you guys think this line lies and examples of spots that are log only or shortboard only work. I think great follow-up. Uh, and I think the fact that you there are places in your mind where you will not paddle out your longboard means you're not a longboarder, right? Like if you're going to paddle it out anywhere and don't care, then clearly you are a longboarder. Uh, I think this line, and I feel strongly about this, David Lee Scales, I think this line, it is a very important one to draw that if a break has, let's say, I'm going to say 30% shortboarders, 30% seems like a low bar. Don't paddle out your stinking log there, right? It's already a place with a break with 30% shortboarders means that it once was dominated by shortboards, right? Now with changing times and attitudes and tastes, valves coming in, wave storms, mid-lengths, all of this, their numbers are dwindling at that break. They're going extinct in that break. It's important to preserve them, right? And so beef up their ranks, paddle out on your shortboard. If there's 30% out there, that means that wave is good enough to shortboard. It just means that people are getting lazy and taking over. There's waves here, like pipes, for example. Pipes, I don't think was ever a great shortboardy wave, but there used to be 50-50 at pipes. Now, there's maybe one shortboard, like they've gone basically extinct in that break, at that break, because people didn't bolster their ranks, right? Like, so a place like Cardiff Reef, the shortboard went extinct long ago at Cardiff Reef. All fine and good. Like, it's already, the battle has been lost there. You're not going to reintroduce shortboards to that break, right? Just like you can't reintroduce an extinct animal back into the wild once once it's extinct. It's done there. So paddle your log out there, but this 30%, if it's under 30%, if it's like 20%, it's already too late. It's sad. You can shed a tear for the shortboard at that break, but feel free to paddle your log out there. 30% is what I'm calling. It's a good number. I agree with it. Um, Huntington Beach, Southside's an interesting example because it is a shortboard culture, even though the wave probably doesn't justify it. Um, But my argument to him there is move down the beach 20 yards. Like go souther than south side of the pier and you'll be by yourself. And the reality is if you're logging, you don't really want to be battling for set waves right next to the pier anyways. Like that's not what logging is about. And yeah, that wave's slightly better than it is down the beach, but you're already logging. 
you're fine on the wave down the beach as well. So it's an entire mentality shift. If you're determined to ride the log that way that day, or the waves are just more loggable and just there's more than 30. Yeah. And there's more than 30% short borders out there. You are going to be disrupting the culture a little bit and the cultures kind of already exists out there. It is what it is, but you've got plenty of waves that are now open to you on the log that are adjacent. They're right there. You don't even have to move the parking spot. You just walk that way instead of that way. As much as I fun make about Huntington, it really is one of the great things about Huntington is the stretch of beach from, you know, whatever down all the way to Newport, all the way up to seal beach. Uh, like there is nuggets up and down there that break on, you know, this day or that day, depending on the sand, whatever. But if the enterprising surfer, our friend here, Nathan R., uh, you can always find a little nugget somewhere on that stretch of beach. It's so true. It's so this is my zone that we're talking about. And that stretch is probably 10 miles long. Yeah, it's huge. It's not a, it's not a small amount of space and it is all sand. There's a pier and there's a couple of jetties, but there's no reef breaks or anything like that. It's all sand, but the sand all has different configurations. And so it's surfable 300 days a year, at least if you know, if you're kind of dialed in to what the sand's doing on any given day and you can see it all essentially, I mean, not all of it, but you can see most, a lot of it from PCH. So you don't even have to park to check it. And if you do know what the sand's doing, you can go to one spot and see what that spot's doing and know what the spot two miles away is doing just based on the swell direction and all that sort of stuff. So I don't like to talk about it or hype it too much. It's probably not even worth hyping because it's not as if it's like super great. No, but, but it is a fun little adventure. Surfable. It's yeah. surfable 300 days a year, which you cannot say about the North Shore or so many other meccas in the world, you know? Nope. You get surf in Huntington. And if you have the log and the shortboard and the fish, then you're even more dialed, you know, you, more options. I like that Huntington Beach is basically keep up the work. Uh version of surf it's like huntington beach's city council should just be their surf here exactly it's not good sometimes gets okay but you know there's surf here weaker will still steal your towel yep <laughs> but there's surf guaranteed for tweakers to uh always be infecting whatever's going on in huntington beach true um what time are you out you out at 10 yeah okay i got a listen another listener call that i can play then from our good buddy tony roberts uh excellent surfer 50 plus year old surfer uh famous surf photographer videographer originally from santa cruz calling in i believe from the dominican republic at this point but this call relates to um sex sells mm. should we still be selling it in 2023 dls and chad pr and la casa how are you guys doing hopefully great all action no loans Wow. I love the WSL and man, they don't make it easy to love. But this brings up something that I think about a lot, that there's so much dead airtime during the webcasts. And meanwhile, they have these beautiful athletes just standing around next to the most HD cameras you could ever dream of. And they never show what's going on besides the, the post-heat interviews 
like all that downtime, they could be showing these beautiful people getting ready for their heats or just standing there in their bikinis. I mean, half of the top women on tour are full exhibitionists. If you look at their Instagram, they love to show their beautiful bodies. And why isn't the WSL taking advantage of this silver platter opportunity? Keep up the work, boys. Could be considered a controversial call in 2023. It sure would be to showcase people's bodies, to showcase men and women. To even call them men and women's bodies would be would be extremely controversial. But let's unpack it, David Lee Scales. I think you and I are the people to do it. Totally agree, which is why I played it, because it's so people, society, maybe it's just public society versus private society is so hypocritical in this moment. Tony TR nailed it. These athletes, male and female, are on Instagram absolutely playing that card and using that as currency, using sexuality as currency. Two words, Italo Ferreira. Totally. That thing, that Instagram account drips with pure sex. Completely. And the WSL, the difference is the WSL is an organization. And I think Tony even said, why are they not exploiting? I think he used the word exploit. I could be wrong right there at the end. And it would feel exploitative for the WSL to use that as currency, you know, presuming that the athlete wants to, because maybe they misstep and Idolo does want it, but Griffin Colapinto doesn't. And they use Griffin's image that way. And Griffin, but if the WSL owned it, the problem is the WSL doesn't want to step in any of that controversy. And so they don't take advantage of this super um, ripe opportunity. Free. For, yeah, free. It's there. It's there. But if they owned it, if they just said, these are unbelievably fit athletes using their incredible bodies to do something that nobody else on the planet can do. And we are going to lean in hard and show every muscle fiber of it. That's not controversial anymore. No. It's, it's empowering. It's smart business. The it, what It's I aspirational. Like, what I would like them to do is really all those cameras they have do super slow-mo. They should just like, to Tony's point, they should just like, slow-mo idolo getting dressed and throw on a nice little soundtrack to it just a little down down now like <laughs> a nice little soundtrack really slow motion don't you think yeah i mean that's one that's really leaning into it in fact <laughs> i mean why not like the stupid wsl why not like and just do it with the ones who are begging for it right the uh i mean idolo is begging for it who on the women's side is really like man i am beautiful and proud well i think of who's showing off um scantily bikini shots on instagram yeah uh tatiana weston webb comes to mind yeah so let tatiana lean into it give her a platform world surf league it really is. i mean wsl though is like they truly do have I mean, one of the great things about surfing forever, I've written about it forever, is it is pure beauty, right? You have beautiful people tan the very, like in the very, you know, perfect fitness, 
like the kind of body sur- uh kind of muscle all that that surfing gives you too it's you're never bulky right so it's like these thin perfectly proportioned people's and the World Surf League treating them all like athletes instead of what most of them treat themselves like via social media, which is athlete influencer. I mean, they're all athlete models, more or less, uh, in their own personal life. Uh, yeah. Use them that way. And I would argue, too, that the decision makers at the WSL who are shying away from it are, in fact, attracted to that exact thing and compelled to it. You know what I mean? So there is a real hypocrisy that's going on, probably down to the individual in their own brain about like, I'm into this. Everybody around me is into this. We're into it because of this kind of primal attraction to it, yet not going to discuss it, not going to publish it, not going to showcase it, not going to uh, take advantage of it in any way, just going to ignore it going to even go out of our way to make sure there's nothing beautiful or sexy in any shot ever like to really not only hey if you know something comes in then uh, there it is right but no to really really like say nope we're not looking like this is this is boring you know unattractive people and whatever there they go it's interesting i i really i do understand the dividing line between exploitation you know, um, and I know that that gets murky, but it's incumbent upon the WSL to figure out where that line is sure. and to be able to leverage their athletes and fully expose their athletes. By the way, I don't mean that incorrectly, but expose the athletes, talents, abilities, image, all that sort of stuff fully for the athlete themselves and for the WSL themselves, their own publicity and and gain up until that line of exploitation. And I just feel like they're not even attempting to find the line of exploitation. Well, it's not, they don't even have to invent the wheel here. Uh, ESPN has done it with a thing called the body issue where they take professional athletes and they get them naked, completely naked. It's not like they're whatever, but they're the way ESPN has skinned this cat is very clearly it's sensual. They're naked bodies, they're naked people. ESPN, as to what you were saying, is focusing wholly on the beauty of the athletic body and athleticism in general. And so then it's allowed to be not provocative, but it's, you know, it, it's allowed to have naked people, naked athletes, basically, because it's not saying, ooh, look at how sexy they are. It's just saying, look at how fit they are. Look at how amazing they are. Where the world certainly could very easily do that of these are amazing athletes and we are going to showcase them in a beautiful light. Yeah. ESPN acknowledges the beauty of the human body leans into it. I mean, how could you not? (laughs) Because if you're the WSL, then you find every way I'm really hoping to be honest. Now that they're sharing space with veterinarians, I hope that uh, the veterinarians talk some sense in WSL. Like when Jesse Miley and these guys go to work and they're like, Oh man, we just got an issue of our people being too sexy and blah, blah. At the vets just don't say, hey, man, we're working with three-legged dogs over here. Like, you guys are lucky. Please, that's what we want to see more. And the WSL thinking like, oh, maybe so. Maybe this breakdown of the Santa Monica office and them having to be forced into the veterinarian world will do some good for us. Might be, hopefully. Well, I could see a scenario where uh, Tatiana Weston-Webb hosts a photo of herself doing a bottom turn in a... uh, thong 
type style bikini. I've seen that Instagram post from her and I've seen them in moving motion too, like actual videos of her doing that turn. I could see the WSL opting to not publish that image simply because they anticipate that the comments section will light them you up. You are, yep, you are and being you, you, exploitative. You are, you're exploiting Tatiana Weston Webb. The WSL doesn't have the uh, bravado, confidence even, Were to you say- <laughs> No, I was not. You did. Um, to say to that person, no, no, no. Tati posted this on her account and we are amplifying. We're celebrating her and amplifying her message. Like that is the exact thing that the WSL doesn't have the balls to do. I mean, it doesn't have to be. That's the thing is I, I wonder if people think, oh, this is like an old school, you know, 80s bikini contest thing. No, Idolo, as I said, is doing the same exact thing. You can balance both men and women. It can be yeah. actually equal. Totally. Um now, quiz for you. Can you name three surf athletes that ESPN has featured in their body issues? Ellie Slater, uh, Caroline Marks, and uh, did Steph Gilmore, was she in there? Laird Hamilton. I don't know if Laird Steph Laird and has. Gabby. Okay. Courtney Conlog as well? Courtney, yep. Uh, Coco Ho? Yep. Wow, we're down to we're up to f four. That's a lot. Yeah, I don't remember Caroline. Was Caroline in it? I feel that she was. Was she? She not? could could have well been. I I'm not sure. Um, I think she was. I do think Coco's the only one that I can remember who was actually surfing naked. Yeah, Coco was. Kelly was running through a jungle naked. Yeah, and I remember Courtney was just posing with a surfboard on the beach. I think. Yeah. Covering up standing well a yeah. leg was poking out of the surfboard if i do recall yeah your um music that you wanted to play over idolo getting dressed or undressed out of his wetsuit reminded me of an old stupid dad joke <laughs> do you know what the sexiest animal on the farm is what brown chicken brown cow <laughs> stupid but still makes me laugh every time all right true grit or clickbait shit. Do it. Quote, WSL begs fans to support the sport by letting it touch privates, exclamation point. It's true, David Lee Scales. I don't know. I didn't independently verify this, but from a good source that came in that uh, if you wanted to update the uh, app, right? Do you still use the WSL app? I have it on my phone, but I haven't used it in a long yeah, time. Yeah, I do too. And like, so... I think any that's the way you used to have to watch it for a minute when they were exploring, trying to think that people cared, right? And then they realized nobody cares. Nobody cares so much that we have to give it away free everywhere. And then people still don't care. In any case, I would imagine the only the hard chorus of core surf fans still click on the app. But from well-placed source, uh, he said that when he went to update the app, uh, the WSL said, please support the sport by allowing uh, companies access to all your private information, basically. Like, open yourself up to like this, and that's how you support surfing, is by giving us your privacy. giving Allowing, us, to allowing to us to share your information with other companies, which is a common thing that is in that um, contract that you either click, that you acknowledge or not. 
but the WSL is saying, please allow us to do it because we need support. We need, we need the financial support, which is insane to me. I mean, the WSL, this, and same with the inertia. When there's some practice like this, that I'm not, it's not silly that the WSL is asking everyone does, right? Everybody asks to share your information, right? People just ask it. It just comes up in a like standard pop box or something. And you click yes or no or whatever, or, you know, the, whatever the various options are. There was no need to give that a qualifier of save the sport. Uh, same like the inertia. When the inertia you go on, a screen will pop up that says subscribe to our newsletter, which who cares about that? I would never subscribe, but that's fine. But they say like a... Uh, <laughs> Our, news, our newsletter is like a set wave. It's weekly and free or something so absolutely out of touch. You don't need to say that. Just say sign up for our newsletter. Nobody's going to sign up with your pithy little, our newsletter is like a set wave, which I don't know how a set wave is weekly or free or daily and free or whatever anyway. But right. all to say, same with WSL. Like there was no need for that. Just sometimes the simple thing is the correct thing. And also pulling up, you're uh, showing your financials in that way. Like, Hey, support us. Like we need the financial help. We need to share this information with other companies because we need the financial support and then burdening you with surfing depends on you. Surfing depends on is you. Is a real, is a real distasteful take. Yep. But I thought That's that your headline matched perfectly with Tony's call, which WSL <laughs> begs fans to support the sport by letting it touch privates. Yep. That's true. Okay, well, true grit. Next, on to the second. Surf star Kelly Slater demands new employees get COVID vaccine. I like turtles. It's wild. This one is absolutely wild. Like, I love Kelly Slater, let's be honest, as a character, as something to talk about, as something to think about, as all of this. Kelly is the gift that keeps on giving. Kelly Slater has been nothing if not vociferously anti-vaccine uh, specifically anti-COVID vaccine for the last four years or however long or whatever it's been since 19. Uh, Kelly has gone on podcast to talk about it. He has talked about his mother who suffered, you know, whatever, uh, his friends that he knew who, like Kelly has been out and out about this. Uh, outer Known, if you want to get a job at Outer Known, Kelly Slater's clothing company that he made to counter all the bad clothing companies in the world to do good environmental practices I like turtles. as a big bold at the bottom must be covid vaxxed for like uh, anybody who you know works for out or known must have their COVID vaccine big bold and this is not a job announcement from 2021 this is not a job announcement from 2022 this is today so kelly slater at his company, and whether he's obviously in charge of the little nuances, uh, doesn't matter. Kelly Slater is anti-COVID vax. Outer Known is his company. Outer Known forces employees to get COVID vax, which makes it seem like Kelly is being very duplicitous, that Kelly wants other people to get vaxxed, so he doesn't have to. Very rude, Kelly Slater. Duplicitous is it. And it feels... Unfortunately for the brand, it feels disingenuous. Completely. It feels like Kelly, Kelly sits here and tries to convince everybody that he is all about outer known and that he's wearing the clothing all the time and that it's his 
It's all of his ethos. Even if he's not making the clothes himself, it's his ethos. And so to have that big of a disconnect with his ideology versus what the how the brand operates undermines every bit of it. That F uh, uh, authenticity. Yeah, because it's not like Kelly was like, you know, I don't know with the COVID vax debate. It's not like he was like, you know, take it or leave. I'm not going to personally, but I have no horse in the game, you know, like take it or leave it. Then I'd say whatever. Kelly didn't actually go out and make this deal his deal. Kelly making that his deal and then having his company, exactly what you said, reflect something completely opposite makes me think, okay, then what else are you reflecting versus what Kelly's reflecting? And even if Kelly comes back, says, well, I don't own the company. I own a you know, stake in it or whatever. None of that matters. The company is based, as you said, on you, on the Kelly Slater lifestyle, on the kind of older gentleman being environmentally conscious and blah, 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 where this is this a reflection of you. So to have this makes me, this is such a gaffe. It is such like a miss that makes me think who in the world let that go. Yeah. Crazy. Yep. Pulling back the curtain for the listeners a little bit. Um, pre-COVID, but I think right at the beginning of 2020, uh, I had an ad agency reach out and be like, hey, would you guys be interested in uh, partnering with Outer Known? Outer Known may want to buy advertisement on the podcast. And I texted Chaz and I'm just like, dude, can we pimp out Outer Known at this point, considering how we've discussed the brand and Kelly himself? And I forget what we landed on, but I what I didn't text out or know, or the ad agency back was, have you guys ever listened to the <laughs> podcast? I like Part of your job as the ad agency is to know what that podcast is about. And I think you'd have to listen to one episode. <laughs> it doesn't matter which episode for you to realize that this is probably Maybe not a great fit for out or no. I mean, I would love out or no to come on and, and uh, say, you know what? We are going to sponsor the podcast because we know that we make mistakes too. And we're going to rectify those mistakes. You don't have to get a COVID vaccine anymore to work here. And we advertise on the grid. I think the way that we did address that or the where you and I landed on it was we've maybe questioned certain things about the company, but I'm open to it. Like I, I've never worn the clothing. Send us some clothes. We'll figure out whether or not it makes sense at that point. Maybe we have been too um, flippant in our opinions about out of known. And I'm open to new opinions, but then I think maybe I did message them something like that. And then they never got back to us. So they figured <laughs> it out pretty quick. I think, but I think the only thing I've ever bashed out of known on is, is it's hypocrisy. It's, it's environmental thing by sending junk mail flyer holiday cheer around to everyone. It's anti-vax and forcing, like it's the hypocrisy where if you're going to go out and be socially leading, if your social me message is your on your leading edge, then you better back it up, right? Like, don't just go out like Patagonia, I feel backs it up. And Patagonia, mm -hmm. of course, I'm sure there's missteps here and there, which are all totally fine. But Patagonia, more or less from everything that I could see, uh, walks the talk. Outer known seems like it talks and walks nothing. Yeah, no question. Um, well, even if that's the only thing that you've ever criticized about the brand, I think that's the stop point. Yeah. <laughs> that is that is a full stop initially right out of the gates for them in terms of advertising. Yep. Uh, all right. Well, speaking of advertising, let's go to commercial. Um, give some love to drinkag1.com slash surf and linkedin.com slash surf. And uh, yeah, we'll be back with Barrel or Not. 
Hiring for a small business is critical. It's imperative that you find a highly qualified professional to treat and grow your business with the same care and detail that you do. LinkedIn Jobs will be your next big unlock. LinkedIn Jobs has created the tools to find the right professionals for your team fast and for free. Everybody is already on LinkedIn with their resume and their references. So the fact that LinkedIn built a hiring platform to connect the dots between everything is simple genius. It's way more sophisticated than a job board. It's a vast network of more than a billion professionals meticulously organized to connect people by skill set, desire, ambition, all in an effort to help us advance our position. And it's easy to use and intuitive. So effective that 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Fast hiring solutions means achieving your goals in record time with rapid growth in 2024. LinkedIn Jobs will even help you write the job descriptions and give you tools and prompts to help you interview your candidate like a pro. LinkedIn.com slash surf is where you go to post your job for free. Yes, totally free. And you can let the world's largest social network of business professionals work to connect you with the ideal candidate to help you grow your business. That is LinkedIn.com slash surf to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Chaz, we're back with Barrel or Not. Right. Uh, Barrel or Not, I'm going to give you a little bit of a explanation for this one. Okay. Barrel or Not, eating in your car while driving. Now, this is not on a road trip where you're eight hours in the car that you're forced. This is, you're 15 minutes away from home. You pick up the food and you're hungry. Do you wait until you get home to eat? Or do you eat in the car? There's a third way, David Lee Scales. You pull over and eat in a parking lot is what you do. Or you eat somewhere outside. Eating in your car, 
is always a bad idea, I think. Uh, unless exactly you're on that eight hour road trip and there's no option. It just is what it is. You're taking care of a need. There you go. But like worrying about the inevitable drip from the sandwich or burger or whatever it is, because what you're eating in the car, oddly, is likely very messy. It's either tacos with guacamole on them. It is a burger with ketchup and sauce. It is a sandwich with melted cheese and whatever. Like there's not very many neat foods to eat that you're going to get if you're, you know, stopping out what, I mean, Panda Express, some orange chicken and noodles, anything's going to spill or splatter. Pull your, but you don't want to get home because cold, I'm assuming most of this is fasty food, right? Like, or takeaway food, takeaway food. 15 minutes is the only thing that matters in this question. Yeah. So, because you're saying, I agree with you. Anything that's delicious is going to be messy. It should yep. be leaking some amount of juices. You, yeah. Exactly, right? So that messiness is going to be a problem if you're in the car, no matter what. But the 15 minutes, would you actually pull over to the side of the road? If you can be home in 15 minutes, you're going to pull over and spend 10 minutes eating? Or do you just eat when you get home? And again, you're hungry. So do you wait the 15 minutes or do you eat in the car, either driving or pulled over? That 15 minutes is the perfect amount of time for that food to lose 45% of its deliciousness. Like that. In terms of warmth? In terms of warmth, exactly. That lukewarm that it gets in that 15 minutes, the fries, if you got fries, are 60% less good. The burger, if you got a cold sandwich, I'll say, for the record, if you got a cold sandwich with no dressing on it, no vinaigrette, no nothing that's going to like make it soggy. Uh, feel free to go home, man up, tough out that 15 minutes. But if it's anything hot or warm or sauced, which is anything you should be eating, pull over, enjoy it. So if you are ever picking up food for the family for dinner, it has to be within a 15 minute radius or maybe 14 minute radius. Yes. And I, I like... I dislike now I've realized uh, the, that 15 minute cool down so much so that if the place is longer than 15 minutes, then we will go there even if nobody wants to go out. Wow. Like the places I bring food home from are a legit walk away. Wow. Okay. So this is something I have felt passionate about for 20 years without even realizing I was passionate about it. And then a listener emailed me about it. And I was like, oh my gosh, man, this is a thing for me. I will not eat in the car. Like, no, I that's will, sure. I, I, and it has nothing to do with the messiness. I don't even care about getting my car messy. It's strictly to do with, I enjoy food so much more when it is the sole focus of what I'm doing. I hear you, but what if like that in and out burger that you have at home, you put it on a plate, you pour some ketchup on the plate. It doesn't taste even, it's like a good 40% less delicious than A, having it in and out or B, stopping five minutes out and having it in the quick parking lot. That five minutes actually benefits your food. I've realized the five minute window, the sauces and whatnot soak in that much more like i think food is supposed to rest a tiny bit go to the resting place eat your food so i would argue 
the 40% reduction in flavor that you get after 15 minutes is buoyed by a 50% increase of enjoyment by simply sitting and focusing on the burger itself and not being distracted by whatever's going on in your car. So I'm a net gain of 10%. It's true, except, and here's where our truck listeners will understand, and maybe it's time for you to get a truck, David Lee Scales, the pulling over and hanging, either sitting on the tailgate or kind of hanging over into the bed eating is it's like a moment of pure bliss because when you're home inevitably there's going to be a bother there's going to be even if you're home alone your computer's there you could bang out a quick email or something when you were hanging on the bed of your truck eating your burger that's the only thing in the world you're thinking about the pure focus yeah the um tailgate meal is an epic meal that's it for is sure. always now here's the other problem if you're eating in the cars where do you put your wine or your beer uh if you're i mean again you eat out of the car and if you have a truck you put it in the bed of your truck okay yeah because that's the other thing that's the other thing why i want to head home to eat is get a drink there is a there is a pairing involved and the pairing that the uh beverage never comes from the restaurant to go you know what i mean like it's always at home and so that's another draw to get home for me the wine is a tougher one but if you're getting your burger and beer enjoy it in that bed of your truck man okay well i think we slightly land divided on this one yep um barrel or not number two walking home from the beach or across to the car or whatever walking a distance from the beach in your wetsuit with shoes on guess not who sandals does, guess shoes. who does this all the time did somebody see me and call this in wow you nailed it a listener came up to me at the boardroom show and he yep. goes, he goes, dude, I got a barrel or not for you walking across PCH in vans that are not tied and you're compressing the heel, soaking in your wetsuit, soaking your shoes. Here's the problem. And I would not do this other than I do not like to, for me to get to the beach, I have to go a long way around to get across the train tracks back around this way. Those train track trestles, the lava rock that they use to pack in there are the most painful of rocks that the earth has ever made. <laughs> so I park on this side of the tracks, da, 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 hop the fence. There's always burrs and stuff in there over the painful train tracks and down. And now I'm on the beach side and I know full well, I should probably just ditch the shoes there and be normal. But no, this is where, and this is for sure where I got caught is like I look like I parked and I'm wearing my shoes from my car to the beach, which is not, it's a, I should leave the shoes by what I'm hearing and what I'm reassessing. I should leave the shoes by the train tracks and just use them to cross the tracks. Hey, it's up to you. All I know, all I know (laughs) is the listener, it was at the boardroom show face-to-face interaction. He painted that picture and he goes, I'm pretty sure it was Chaz. I'm like, well, I mean, he's pretty identifiable. I mean, what did he have? Was he six foot three? Yeah. Did he have neck tattoos? Yeah. <laughs> Super skinny white guy. Yeah. My God, I think that's him. And I forget he named the spot too. And I was like, yeah, I think that's his spot. Yeah, it's for sure. And I think about this when I see people look at my wetsuit down to my shoes when I'm walking down that path. That's so funny. All right. Well, barrel it is. Yeah. Uh, barrel or barrel and on number three. Hey, Chaz and David. I was out surfing one of the rare fun days in Venice yesterday with my girlfriend. 
It was a classic fall day, light offshore winds, plenty of sunshine, peaks up and down the beach from a short period west swell. We were both in high spirits, trading waves at our own little sandbar. A beautiful right popped up. My girlfriend began to paddle for it, and I could tell she was too deep while I was in the perfect spot. I resisted the urge to go, lest I should incur her wrath by sending the message that I knew that she couldn't make it. Predictably, though, she didn't make the section, and I watched with a lump in my throat as the wave reeled off unridden. My, my surf to get, we surf together a lot, and this happens regularly. She's a competent surfer, but we've had so many sessions together that I can tell whether or not she'll make a wave as soon as she paddles for it. My question for you is this. I am, am I implementing the right policy? Is it barrel or not to burn your partner when you know that they're not going to make a section? We have another couple that we surf with who is completely has a completely different dynamic. I watch in disbelief as the man in the relationship consistently goes in front of his wife, sometimes even calling her into waves before burning her as she tries to navigate a tricky section. Please advise Greg in Santa Monica. Greg, this is a phenomenal, phenomenal barrel or not. Something that any married or coupled man with a surfing partner has dealt with. Where you know, I know, everyone knows when somebody is too deep or not going to make it. This, unfortunately, is one that you just gotta, you gotta fall on the sword on this one. Because saying, like, you knowing that partner is not going to make that drop or section or whatever is, would be all fine and good if this was a perfect world where everybody knew that also, including partner partner does not know that for sure partners paddling not because they think they're going to get blown up and this not a man and woman thing here this is for the like coco whoever boyfriend coco ho has too right at any time coco ho sitting there watching boyfriend be too deep unknowing uh so i guess here we go if the girl is a better surfer than the boy in the relationship girl should burn at will especially if the boy is making dumb mistakes like being too far inside. If it is girl on inside making mistakes, boy, you just got to suck it up and just let that wave go by. Because it is like that undermining of yeah. you are too weak will erode that relationship pretty dang quick. I completely agree. You have to let her not make the section and let the wave go unridden. Um, number one, she will, if she had any shot of making that section, once she sees that you don't have confidence in her, that shot is gone Yeah, and she's, she's lost confidence in herself. And so allow her to make those mistakes unmolested and eventually figure out how to make the section. You know what I mean? And waves will go unwritten. Unfortunately, that's it's something just the that, price. It's the, the price you pay you for a happy life at home. And so then number two is undermining the wife or the partner in general. Just a bad decision, full stop. You know, it just speaks to something much, much greater. And so giving full confidence, it's called unconditional love, unconditional confidence in all things and making way is a beautiful thing that who knows the potential that can unfold 
with that type of mentality. The few waves that are going to go unridden because of it is a small price to pay to find out what potential could develop from that style of a relationship. I 100% agree, unless with the caveat that it is Cocoho and her, whoever she happens to be dating, or Steph Gilmore and whoever she happens to be dating. I think a good when the woman surfer is better than her male partner, she needs to regularly shame her male partner into getting better. She needs to burn him. And then when he says, hey, why'd you burn me? She's going to say, you were too deep, man. Stinking learn your lesson. Can't do that. Can't mansplain that to your uh, and this is, you know, I'm, I know I'm really out on the limb here talking about gender roles, et cetera, et cetera. But I feel woman burn your man. If you're better than him, man, do not burn your woman. Could be that men and women are different and wired differently. And that the burning of the male, uh, stimulates, uh, growth and building, you know, and learning and all that sort of stuff. So that could be true male needs to be shamed and this is going to be the last show we ever had just because you dared utter that there might be differences between these sexes so you dared you dared utter it. <laughs> send your feedback to chazabeachgrid.com um yeah well i think we may have helped solve a relationship problem here and i Definitely. will also ask greg in santa monica why don't you write us back in a year or two from now about that other couple whose yes, husband please. goes with impunity on every single wave and let us know how that relationship is going. Please do that. You know who that couple was? Will and Jada Pinkett Smith. I love the memes that have been going around about that. <laughs> it is brutal. Talk about a couple who you know, just get out of the damn spotlight. Get out of the spotlight. Nobody asked for this. Nobody wants, like, everybody's sick of this. And you're just, like, heaping onto each other for why? I don't think you want it either. Your kids don't want you to be doing it. Nobody wants us. You guys are out. Guess what, guys? Come over and look at all our dirty laundry. It's like, I don't want to look. I'm grabbing you by the hair and pulling you into my house to look at my dirty laundry. I'm opening your eyes with toothpicks so you can look at my dirty laundry. It's wild. And look at dysfunction under a microscope and we're going to spoon feed to you dysfunction that feels so detrimental to every person in the family involved. Like Everyone, to the Will, children. Will is being dramatically traumatized by this. Jada, I don't think, is learning any lesson at all through any of this. The kids are being traumatized by all of this and they are unaware so una- self-unaware of the trauma that they are inflicting upon themselves that they are actually directing the spotlight at themselves to talk about it further. More. Let me write a book about this now and then let's sit down and do like a big book tour where we talk about it a lot ad nauseum. Wow. It's, it's really a wild time that we live in. I can't wait for the Kelly Slater version of this. Kelly, bring it on. Uh, we already had one memoir from him. We don't oh. even know <laughs> Pipe dreams number two, pipe dreams <laughs> part two, backdoor dreams maybe. Isaiah and Magic Johnson. What? <laughs> you didn't have to go there. All right. Well, hey, I'll let you get to writing that story. And uh, for anybody who wants to read that, go to beachgrit.com, follow him on Surf Journalist, follow me at Surf Splendor, go to surfsplendorpodcast.com to see everything that we discussed in today's show and to support our work. Until next week. Bon voyage.
And don't forget to post your job for free at linkedin.com slash surf. That's linkedin.com slash surf to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at caskers.com. <laughs> 